Howdy, folks. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the train and remain seated at all times. Now then, hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. We may make cranium commandos out of you yet. You see your true colors shining through. W Radio, your information station. Hello and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 143 for the week of November 1st, 2009. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We'll start off this week's show with a look at some Walt Disney World news, but the big news from Disney this week, of course, is all about the newest addition to the Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Dream. So this week, we'll take a detailed look at the announcement and some of the incredible, innovative details about the ship, as well as its destinations, itineraries, and amazing features. And what better time than now to announce the details for the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream in 2011, as we are set to announce our sailing date and additional information. I'll give you the answers and the name of the winner of our last Walt Disney World Trivia Contest, and update you on upcoming Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World before playing more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. In this week's Walt Disney World news, the booking window for advanced dining reservations expanded back to 180 days from 90 days as of this past week. The online ADR system was down temporarily while the changeover was taking place for just a little while, but appears to be up and running at this time. Remember, you can book advanced dining reservations online over at DisneyWorld.com slash dining. Beginning today, November 1st, 2009, Mouse Gear, the largest souvenir shop over in Epcot, is going to begin offering embroidery for Mickey ears. Much like the same options you'll get over in the Magic Kingdom, it'll be $3 for simple stitching and $7 for premium stitching, and guests will once again have the choice of either white, black, pink, or gold thread. The days of Christmas in downtown Disney Marketplace and head-to-toe over at Disney's Hollywood Studios also offer stitching options but many, many more options at a little bit higher cost than you'll get at Mouse Gear or in Walt in uh, Mag- the Magic Kingdom. They have more thread colors and a lot of different styles of fonts and typefaces as well. It appears there are more changes coming to Tomorrowland. And of course, we're all excited to see a Space Mountain when it reopens. Curious to see what is going to happen to the old Skyway building now that they've removed the second level or refurbishing the bathrooms, but wonder what else may be taking place in that building. But I've also heard that the very, very short-lived 
Stitches Supersonic Celebrations stage show stage will be getting a new show just in time for the holidays. On 19 select evenings starting November 10th, Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party is going to take place and it is going to include a new stage show to welcome the winter season. A totally Tomorrowland Christmas is going to feature Stitch, Buzz Lightyear, Mike Wazowski, and a whole cast of partygoers who, according to the story, are going to discover the true meaning of the season during their annual Christmas party. It's going to be an interactive musical review featuring songs of the season in the style of today's Radio Disney hits. This is going to coincide with other things like Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas Time Parade, Holiday Wishes, special shows featuring the characters, carolers, tree lightings, and so much more. Again, the parties take place throughout November until December 18th, beginning at 7 p.m. and continuing until midnight. Of course, there are select attractions open. Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, great, great time of year to go. To purchase advanced tickets, you can go to DisneyWorld.com slash Christmas Party or call 407-W-Disney. Earlier this year, we talked about the Disney Parks mobile application, Mobile Magic, that was going to be coming to the Verizon network. And for months, we heard nothing until now, because Disney has announced that Mobile Magic is going to be available, and it's going to bring everything from attraction wait times to fast pass return times, information on character locations for Walt Disney World and Disneyland, and so much more to your Verizon wireless phone. Development work has been ongoing, but the team recently offered a walkthrough of the of the application. Looks very, very impressive. And again, things like real-time attraction wait times and fast pass times, very, very impressive. The mobile maps are going to be GPS-enabled, so while you're wandering the parks, your location is going to be indicated by a little white circle. Again, if you're not a Verizon Wireless subscriber, you can use your mobile phone to access select information via text and at the Disney Mobile Parks website. However, if you do have a Verizon phone, this application looks to be very, very impressive. Finally, outside the parks, but somewhat related nonetheless and definitely worth mentioning, director Robert Zemeckis had said that there is going to be a sequel to none other than Roger Rabbit. Now, Zemeckis says he's very excited to bring Roger back to the big screen and that he has commissioned a script which is being developed by the original writers, Seaman and Price. If you want to hear more about Roger's presence in and connection to the Walt Disney World theme parks, I want to direct you back to show number six, which was way back on March 18th, 2007. We did a character connection really talking about Roger, his connection to the parks now, and what could have been had uh, things been a little bit different and how much more you would have seen Roger in the parks. There's one more big news story coming up in the next segment, definitely stay tuned for that because it's all about the new announcement and the new ship coming from the Disney Cruise Line. But in the meantime, if you have any news that you want to share or you want to discuss anything that I talked about on this segment, you can visit the forums over at WDWRadio.com, the Facebook fan page over at Facebook.com slash WDWRadio, or you can email me anytime at Lou at WDWRadio or call in your comments to the voicemail at 888 888- 
the biggest news from Disney this week, of course, came during an event in New York City where Disney executives, cast members, and specially invited guests were treated to the major reveal and details all about Disney Cruise Line's newest ship, the Disney Dream, which is set to set sail in 2011. And going beyond everyone's expectations, the announcement, photos, videos, and renderings demonstrated that Disney has once again raised the bar when it comes to family entertainment, innovation, technology, and all-around magic. And one of the select few who were able to see and hear the announcements about the sailing dates and so much more live was Becky Mankin. And even though she didn't invite me to New York City to share in the fun, I mean, (laughs) the research or the schmoozing food and drink that took place there after Becky Mankin, I still wanted her to come on the show to talk not just about the general details, but really help me as we reveal the details for the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream in 2011 as we are set to announce our sailing date and details. Yes, I'm getting more excited as we talk about it. But Becky Mankin, welcome back. Thank you very much, Lou. Great to be back after all of the food and drink and mayhem and merriment. And I have two words for you. Aqueduct. Let We'll get to that. We'll get to that because, uh, yeah, there's... Uh, There's a lot of incredible stuff, and that's why I said that I think that this sort of went beyond some of our expectations, especially from a geeky technological perspective, and we'll get into the food, too, because that looks impressive as well. But let's just quickly talk about the event that you went to, which was this past Thursday, October 29th. Disney, uh, in true Disney fashion, put on quite a show for the people who were able to go, thanks for the non-invite, but they also simulcast it online, and I watched it, and I will tell you that while you were drinking wine and eating cheese and rubbing elbows with whomever, I was tweeting like crazy. I, I think at one point I tweeted like 11 times in one minute, So because uh, there was so I much information that. coming out. Yeah, I did notice that. It was at a very swanky location in New York City, and I got to say, it was a wonderful excuse for my first trip to New York City. And uh, it was everything that you would expect from one of Disney's special magical events. Um, I had to be there to take one for the team, of course, with that all the wonderful food and and wine and champagne. You're losing of course, friends left and too. right, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Taking one for the team. But, of course, it was fantastic. It was everything, once again, that you would imagine that these these uh, Disney events teams put on. When you first walked into the into the venue, it started about 4 o'clock, 4.15. Yeah, but 4 o'clock is when they let, let us in the doors. And we were greeted by, like, an artist rendition of the entrance to the new ship, complete with... Uh, uniformed cast members, one in a handlebar mustache, you know, from the old 30s and 40s type Titanic, sorry, but you know, that reference <laughs> of the older, more glamorous ships um, that led you up the stairs to this conference area, which is, of course, where the, the live telecast began. Yeah, and, and I'm so happy that they did it for those of us who wanted to follow along at home because it was very exciting and, you know, certainly what we were able to see as far as the online transmission of the video that they were showing you and some of the things that you got to see because 
we did not get to see a lot of what you did see, uh, not just in the room where the presentation took place, but what took place afterwards. Because there was a lot of uh, mock-ups and representations and models. And, and again, oh. try not to talk about the food and wine at this point. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from the food and wine for just, I don't know, three seconds or so. But after the presentation, the initial thing where they uh, brought out Bob Iger, who then, of course, um, introduced Jay Rasulo, and then they introduced a couple of the, the folks who were integral into the uh, into the project, Carl Holtz and so forth. They did the initial presentation with um, some sparks of what was going on. After the presentation, they led us downstairs into the area you're talking about, which was a very large room that had different areas that were set up with mock-ups, with artist renderings, and more importantly, Importantly, which was really exciting, is they had Imagineers that were responsible or on the teams for those different locations. So, for example, I spoke with um, an Imagineer named Michael who was standing there in front of all of the adult entertainment, the, the, um, the nightlife area that he was in charge of. And he spoke to how they came up with some of the concepts and some of the innovations and things that were going on. And when you stand in that corner and you're looking at all the really cool pictures where they also had a very large TV screen that was kind of rolling through some of the um, some of the design concepts and so forth, you turn towards the bar and it, they tried to kind of recreate what the skyline bar is going to look like with all of the um, the LCD screens behind it, which is going to, of course, in this technology geek thing, going to change the picture from different city skylines like New York and Paris and um, Los Angeles and Hong Kong and Tokyo. So it was neat to see that kind of come to life right there in front of you. Yeah, and they the also only thing had, really would have been better is if I could have recorded it for the show, but I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, you know, you could have sent me a recorder, you know. You could you're, missing the po- you're missing the point completely. <laughs> and I would have given you a tour of New York City. You know, that sure would have been nice. Because I'll bet that you didn't have a dirty water hot dog or a pastrami sandwich. A what? What did you do on this trip? I, I guess that's going to have to be on the next one, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay, moving on. <laughs> but it was really exciting because in each corner they had like the area where the Ocean Ears Club is set up. They also had a mock setup of what one of the inside staterooms is going to look like. Um, just different areas of what they're trying to highlight. And the most exciting thing was that as we were talking to some of these Imagineers, they were also telling us that what was in front of us was only a little taste of what's to come. So they are going to basically be doling out a little bit more information and new technology and new things that are coming to the ship uh, between now and when it's officially going to sail. Right, which obviously was the, the big news everybody was waiting for was when would the inaugural sailing date be? And that, of course, is going to be January 26th, 2011. Woohoo! That's so exciting. It's so exciting finally (laughs) yeah and that was just a a little bit of what we got because of course they gave us destinations and some itineraries and again a lot of surprises but i want to talk about some of those technological innovations that just you could hear the gasps and you could hear the draws hitting the floor as they were announcing things like the aqua duck duct, the aqua Uh, duck which really is the only way to describe it is an onboard water roller coaster. 
Uh, yeah, I would say so. This thing is four decks high. It's going to start from the aft funnel, which is going to be the equivalent of, I think, deck 16. Don't quote me, but I think that that's about right. Um, it, it The ride vehicle is basically a two-person inflatable raft that you're going to uh, go down this water slide that's in a, in, a, um, in a tube that, of course, you can see out. But the part that made me gasp and lose my breath for like three seconds or more was that the darn thing swings out 13 feet over the side of the ship that offers a lovely unobstructive view of the ocean that's oh geez 150 feet below you that is Um, gonna be i mean i was giddy i was giggling almost like a (laughs) schoolgirl when i saw the virtual ride through and again i'll put a link in the show oh. notes to the video, which obviously is not going to do it justice. but And the other thing, too, not only does it go out over the side of the ship, which I think is, is amazing and, and exhilarating, but it's huge. It's 765 feet long, two and a half times the length of a football field. <laughs> and the other thing, too, I noticed, it, it obviously mm. there's twists and turns and going all, but you also accelerate uphill at one point. Yeah, I did see that as well. But of course, I was still trying to get oxygen to my brain from seeing the thing where you go out over the side of the deck. <laughs> that is going to be worth the price of admission alone. Yep, it has. It's like a flume ride. Of course, it's got the twists and the turns and the. Um, it, it's amazing. And there's a splashdown at the end, of course, which is going to be fun as well. So I, I think that that's probably going to. We've been looking for what was going to be the signature on board the ship you know, from a family perspective. And I think that that's definitely a, a good step towards it. Yeah. And I think that as we were looking at some of that concept art, we saw little things here and there, obviously the, the hallmark of the giant, beautiful outdoor screen is also going to be part of the Disney dream as well. And before we get to something else that, that just intrigues me so much, let's talk about a few of the other things like the enchanted art, which is going to be not only in the lobby, but really throughout the entire ship, and it's really sort of this art that comes to life even beyond things that you had sort of like in the animator's palette where it just went from black and white to color. Oh, we are so into this century. I will tell you that. The Enchanted Art was something that made my job drop as well. And I spent um, at least 20 minutes or so talking to the Imagineer who was, was working on that project. And the Enchanted Art at this point is... Um, located in 22 different locations around the ship so it, it is going to be kind of spread out throughout throughout the ship and it's true animation it it is um a, an lcd screen that is art that they can manipulate and change so what's really fun about it is that they had an example there of a picture of mickey and minnie and they said well we could um customize these pictures so that they fit with the ports that we're in or it can even fit to the weather, reflect the weather that's outside. So if it's a really sunny day, we can have Mickey and Minnie out um, with their sunglasses on in their swimsuits out at the beach. Or it can change if it's raining and have them in their rain slickers. And so it, it's something that's extremely versatile and fluid. And it was just amazing to, to stand in front of it and watch the demonstrations. And I will tell you that as they were talking about the aqueduct and the art and things like the living characters, that there's going to be characters like Crush and Stitch and so many other characters are going to be around the ship. That was the point, or the first point, I should say, where I said, you know what? I don't care where the ship goes because I am not going to want to get off 
except maybe a castaway key. It could go around in circles at Port Canaveral, and I'd be happy <laughs> because oh. there is so many reasons to stay on board. Absolutely. And and then if you talk about the things like um, what they're doing in the Oceaneers Club, I was so excited to see the changes that they're putting in there. For example, Andy's room. I'm not sure if they showed uh, some of the concepts that were going on on the online piece, but um, they're basically going to shrink the kids down into toys. And one of the areas in the Oceaneers Club is going to be Andy's room with uh, from Toy Story. So the children can rearrange features on a Mr. Potato Head and crawl through Slinky the dog. And um, it, it's just going to be really fantastic. So the kids aren't going to want to leave the ship either. Yeah, and obviously Disney, when, they're first, when, when the magic and the wonder came out, they are the ones who defined for the industry what family-friendly cruising and entertainment was going to be. And when I took my kids and I saw the Oceaneers Club on the Magic and the Wonder, I'm like, well, hey, I could hang here. I, you know, this is <laughs> amazing what they had for the kids to do. And again, you hear stories, and, and I can attest to it, that once my kids went in, they didn't want to leave. They didn't want right. to come out and join us for dinner. And, and there was one night that my wife and I were supposed to get our kids and come out and go to dinner. And they wanted us to stay. And we're having a good time. And we stood at, we stared at each other on deck. We're going, well, what do we do now? <laughs> we weren't used to not having the kids. <laughs> and we just sort of walked around like, wait a minute. We're not. But that's how much fun. And they've, they've plussed it a thousand times over. Because like you said, there is Andy's room. There's the Monsters Academy uh, fashioned after the scare floor on, from Monsters, Inc., there's Pixie Eight. Hollow, which obviously Tinkerbell and her fairy friends, really the, the big hot property right now. The Explorer Pod, this really intrigued me, which is a giant blue and yellow submarine that comes up in the center of the room, which is an interactive play area. There's the Small World Nursery. There's stuff for teens. There's the Edge Club for teen tweens, 11 to 13. There's Vibe, mm-hmm. which is a, another club for teens 14 to 17, which I think is great because everybody's got their own separate space. Um, and there's also the Oceaneer Lab, too, which I, right. I got to get into these kids' <laughs> clubs. I've got to do research here. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. There's just so much they have. Uh, is, like you said, as great as the, the magic and the wonder are. This is plussed up beyond that. And, of course, as I said before, they're only telling us a little bit of what they're doing so far. So there's so much more to come that they're going to kick into this into this ship. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, you don't have to be a kid or even have kids to go on the Disney Cruise yeah. Line. And there are many, many people that go solo or they go as couples or they go as seniors. <laughs> or, but there is so much to do. And, and kids not only get to play, but they get to learn, they get to try their hand at animation, they get their, they can sing, they can navigate the ship in sort of a, through a digital sea as there's sort of these virtual command things they can do. And again, bringing that turtle talk with Crush technology into these play areas where they can talk to Crush and Stitch on these, again, God, I want one of these, 103-inch <laughs> plasma screens, you know... <laughs> And, and there's that, that safety factor. You know that your kids are safe and having a good time in there. So we could talk well, about just bringing your kids on the ship as a whole separate segment. Absolutely. And I, I knew that especially the, the central rotunda that they're talking about in the Oceaneers Club, having that Peter Pan never lo- land motif, I knew that you would be attracted to that right away. Oh, why do you got to go there? I'm so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the Jedi Training Academy. It's so close yet so far. 
Um, yep. But the one where to find you exactly the one innovation that um, I mean, look, the Aquaduct is incredibly cool and it's going to be an amazing experience. But the one thing that they introduced, Becky, it, it, when you think about it, you're like, it's so simple, but it's brilliant. I think and, I know where you're going, and it's it's going to change the way I personally look at how I may want to cruise as far as staterooms go because they introduced again a, a, a first in the entire industry something they call a virtual porthole for inside cabins yeah I'm trying not to sound you. as giddy as I really am about this because I think this is amazing it was- it's, it's one of those things where you go, Doh, why didn't I think yeah. of that? Because this is, it was incredible when they showed the um, uh, the presentation about it. And they're saying, okay, here's the inside stateroom, which of course looks modern and wonderful. And, and the decor is really nice. And the bedding looks great. And oh, by the way, they did something really smart. Finally, they've raised the bed so you can actually put your luggage underneath, which is really nice. But they looked up and they said, and uh, uh, industry first, we're going to have this virtual porthole. And they showed the picture of it. And basically, they're going to have cameras that um, will project to the screen from the perspective of where your, your stateroom would be looking. So you see this wonderful water going by. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how cool is that? It's an inside stateroom and you can see the ocean virtually, but it's there and it really looks real. And then... The thing that made my jaw drop was all of a sudden from Finding Nemo, the starfish clung up against the virtual porthole and started talking to us. And it was just like, I just was so in awe. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to sail in that stateroom. Um, they were talking about different characters that are going to make you know some stop bys. I don't know how often or, or what the um, what the timing is going to be for this, but they are talking about having characters in high def. They're going to just pop onto your um, onto your porthole and say hi every once in a while. How amazing is that? Brilliant! It's brilliant. It is absolutely yeah. brilliant. And obviously, your view and your perspective changes. Based on what's going on outside. So as it turns right. to dusk, your your view turns to dusk. And if it's raining or what, it changes. And you have the added benefit of peach coming onto your window, which obviously yeah. if you have a veranda room, probably not going to happen. Yeah, I would say so. And I think a couple of the others that they had mentioned was um, Mickey Mouse might even make an appearance. Some other of the uh, Finding Nemo folk. And then um, I heard tale of a possibly a spotting of a haunted pirate ghost ship making its way across the porthole so you never know what they might come up with on this and it's so flexible and so fluid they can they can pretty much make anything sail by your window which could be kind of scary like haunted pirate ghost ships i uh i just i'm telling (laughs) you it gave me reason to say well you know what maybe i don't want to have a window i don't want to have a veranda i want to see this i need to experience this Put me in an inside cabin. Put me, put yeah. me in steerage. Put me anywhere because I've got to check out the virtual porthole. You know, and the funny thing is, is, is they when they built this ship, obviously that the trend in the cruise industry is to go for the verandas, go for the um, the larger locations. So on this ship, there are only 150 inside staterooms. That's pretty That's low amazing. considering that there's 1,250 cabins on board. So they kind of scale down in the number of inside cabins. And I honestly think that that's going to be one of the most popular um, staterooms to book. Without a doubt. 
I mean, I told you, I said, you know what? I, I want, I need to try and stay yeah. in one of these inside cabins because I, I want to experience it. And I think, again, for for kids, it, it's going to be great. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be enthralled when they see that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and again, and that and that marries again what Disney has been doing all along with the sister ships of the magic and the wonder because they blend that. We talked about that design, that sort of early twentieth century transatlantic ocean liner you said titanic i say 20th century transatlantic <laughs> ocean liner with modern design and certainly spectacular spectacular use of, of technology oh yes it's gonna be an interesting marriage of the two that's for sure and we had a chance to see they've got virtual tours and i'm gonna link in the show notes back to disney's website which is very very interactive not just photos uh but there's also videos and 360 degree views where you can take a look at, for example, the atrium lobby, which on the Magic mm-hmm. and Wonder was was gorgeous, but just looks spectacular on the Dream. It's three stories tall. There's, again, the giant staircases and those old-style oversized portholes. And while we had Mickey and Ariel as statues in the center of the in the lobbies here, for the Disney Dream, it's Admiral Donald Duck. Yes, it is. (laughs) He's so cute, by the way. And they had they actually had the statue on display there when we entered into the uh, into the venue. So it was neat to see it there and know that it's going to be in its appropriate spot here in in not too long on board the Disney Dream. Yeah, it's. uh, I mean, it it got me so, and I I know so many of the people that watched it and have continued to watch it, so very excited for what they're doing. And I'm happy that when they launched it, they gave us so much to see and to play with and to get excited about. But you, we talked briefly about the staterooms when we were talking about the virtual porthole. Let's talk about how, what kind of staterooms there are going to be as far as numbers and what people can look for. Because obviously the ship is much, much larger. It's two, it's two decks taller, if I'm correct, than the Magic and Wonder. So you're talking about 1,100 or so outside staterooms and 150 inside staterooms? Yeah, the breakdown of the 1,250 that are are, um, uh, ship-wide is 150 for inside, 1,100 which are quote-unquote outside, meaning that outside could be Ocean View or with Veranda. So we have uh, approximately 199 which are Ocean View, 860 which have balconies, and then on board they have 21 suites as well. It's it's kind of interesting because they have changed all the categories. So for those of you who are going to be looking at the different things on the um, on the Disney Dream, don't be surprised because you're not going to see a category seven any longer, which was the um, Navigator's Veranda. Those, of course, are still on the Wonder and the Magic, but on the Dream they don't exist. They do, however, um, have gone through a big recategorization. So we have standard inside staterooms, which are your typical category eleven, but now they've done. A, B, and C for location. So uh, category 11A might be on a higher deck than, say, a category 11C. Some of them are a little smaller as well, Um, not by much. So example, example, the standard inside stateroom, it's 169 square feet, sleeps three or four. Almost all of the staterooms have a queen-size bed. They do not, as far as I understand so far from what we've been told, they do not have the two twins that convert to a queen. It really is a queen-size bed, but they do provide a single convertible sofa 
in those uh, staterooms to sleep the third person. And then they have the pull-down bed in some of them um, to accommodate a fourth. And, of course, the privacy divider and so forth. So we've got standard inside, deluxe inside, which, of course, is the same as the standard, but it's got the split bath that we're so familiar with and, and love so much. They also have deluxe uh, ocean view staterooms for categories 9A and B at 204 square feet. Then they're really focusing on the family ocean view or the family staterooms, which are a little larger and can sleep up to five people because that has been always one of our challenges is when you have the families of five, it was hard uh, for them to be accommodated in a stateroom and always had to get two different staterooms. So they have definitely gone a little bit farther in accommodating those larger families. So, for example, a deluxe family ocean view stateroom, which is going to be your category eights now, are approximately 241 square feet and sleep anywhere from three to five, depending on if they have a pull-down or a Murphy bed, which many of them do as well. And the neat thing about those is that they also have a sit-in porthole seat in those areas. So it actually has about five feet in diameter. Um, it's like a teak wood stainless steel and a comfy cushion that you can actually kind of ball up and, and kind of sit there next to the porthole and um, look out uh, to the ocean, which is a very, very cool design feature. Yeah, I they like also that. Have, I like that. Yeah, that's going to be really nice. Um, then, of course, they have the deluxe ocean view staterooms with veranda, which are going to be your category fives and six. So they actually have five A, B, C, D, and E and six A and B which are now 203 square feet plus the veranda. Um, and the, that those also have the split bath as before. And now they also have the family ocean view, which is your category fours, as they were before. And those are about 256 square feet. They also have added a new category called the concierge family ocean view stateroom with veranda. Say that 20 times fast. It's a category V as in Victor. At approximately 263 square feet, um, it sleeps five, queen-size bed, double convertible sofa, pull-down bed, privacy divider, split bath, um, a nice big round tub, the veranda, and then you also get concierge service as well. On the suite side, they quick, that's up huh? on like, I mean, that's high up. You're, that's up on like deck 11, like by like where this pool and the spas are, correct? Yeah, those are up on the higher decks. Um, I think that there are talking, two decks sister. that's up on. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Here's And here's, of course, the places that, that I really love and will have to aspire to. So, you know, Lou, go go book me a whole bunch of cabins, would you please? Because I want to I wanna stay in one of these guys. Um, the next ones up are, of course, the suites. Now, they, they don't have a two-bedroom suite any longer. They do, of course, on The Wonder and the Magic, but no longer on The Dream. So what they have is the concierge one-bedroom suite with veranda, which is now a Category T as in Tom. Those are at 536 square feet, sleeps five. Those also have the queen-size bed, a living area with a t- double convertible sofa, a Murphy bed, walk-in closet, the Whirlpool tub, which I love, um, the rain shower, you know, the larger shower, which are really cool. And then, of course, concierge service. Um, and then they have the two royal suites. And, of course, this is what I salivate over. And someday, someday. But they have the concierge royal suite with veranda. There's only two on board. They're category R for royal. They are perched at the very front of the ship with these wonderful views um, off your huge balconies. They're about 187 uh, to 198 square feet, depending on which one you get. And it has a whirlpool 
a, a hot tub out on the on the deck, which is incredible. So those only sleep five, which is another change because on the Wonder and the Magic, they could sleep up to eight in the Royal Suite. So that's going to be a change as well. So it sleeps only up to five. But the really cool thing is that for those concierge levels where before it was kind of like, well, you got some really cool stuff, but we were thinking, you know, you should probably get something really extra special if you're going to stay concierge. Well, on board the Dream, they actually have a sun deck that is exclusive only to concierge level state room guests. So you will have a private area um, out on one of the top decks to to lounge around and enjoy the sunshine of the Caribbean. See, how can I be so conflicted that (laughs) that while the concierge royal suite with veranda sounds great, there is no virtual porthole there. So (laughs) give me a category 11C or the category R. Well, I got you down, babe. (laughs) (laughs) 11C. Thank you. Now, one thing I do want to mention one of the things they did do, though, for up on the concierge levels where where they have knocked it down from eight to five guests, they do have a lot more um, ability for staterooms to connect. So where you might have a, a one-bedroom suite, there's some connecting to some of the family ocean view verandas. So that there are options for families, larger families, who do want to stay together. So the, the trick is with that is going to be, of course, to book early to get locations you want. But they are trying to accommodate the, the larger families and the groups traveling together and, you know, all the other situations that we might get to make sure that it's a smooth sailing for a wonderful cruise. Yeah, I saw that there was about 500 adjoining staterooms with connecting doors, which is great because, you know, there's close and then there's too close. So if you've got the extended family, you've got the (laughs) magical gathering, it's great, you know, if grandma, grandpa are in the next room, you want to, or you you have kids, you want in the next room, whatever it might be. um, I think those are great. So, but really let's get to the, um, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the matter, the most really important part of cruising on the Disney dream, which of course is dining on the Disney Dream. And uh, I was wondering when you were going to finally get there. Listen, I'm saving the best <laughs> for last. You know, you got to you got to build to to the uh, build the excitement up a little bit. Because I remember no, Wait a minute. Are we, I got to say are we talking about the cheese platters and the wonderful hors d'oeuvres and the champagne that I was having at the event or Again, there's you not making friends. <laughs> just so you know, I'm just All right, moving on. I I think you should have let it go at this point. Okay. Um <laughs> so I remember the first Disney cruise that I took, um, I went in saying, okay, well, the food's just going to be whatever. It'll be just normal cruise food. I'd been on a couple other cruise lines before, and the food was, you know, meh. No big... I was very, very impressed the first time I was on it. And it looks like, they, again, they are ramping up not just the dining and the cuisine and things like that, but the decor and the stories behind it. Once again, the animator's palette does carry forward, although it has been reimagined, and the animation that is going to be brought into the dining room is really going to be, as Disney describes it, that one-of-a-kind experience. Have you seen anything at that event that we shall not speak of that I was not at specifically about animator's palette? You know, they did have some artist renditions, but I, I think that that's one of the things that they're just kind of holding out some of the information on for later. I think Animator's Palette was one of the natural places that a lot of people were figuring that the technology was going to take a, a jump up if they were going to go down that path. And some of the pictures we saw included, you know, the, the same signature pieces that we, we know and love 
uh, from the animators palette on the other two ships, which are like the um, the paint brushes and the colored pencils and um, the floor to ceiling pillars that are in paintbrush locations. I think that they're going to take the theming of the animation maybe a little step further uh, because we might see some more like light boxes and computer workstations and film strips and that type of of design characteristic coming into it from what I saw in the artist rendition. But I am amazed at what the possibilities are going to be for that room. I agree. Um, And I think that they have teased a lot about that both at the event that I was watching while eating peanut butter and jelly on my couch while you were having wine and cheese, and further in the past about things that they were going to be bringing in as far as innovations into Animator's Palette. But it's the other two restaurants that really intrigued me. And the first one is the Royal Palace, which, again, it's all about story. They bring in inspiration from classic Disney films like Cinderella, like Beauty and the Beast, but don't over cartoonish it. They make it very, very elegant with marble floors and carpets and this beautiful chandelier made of glass slippers. That's going to be incredible. I saw a little bit of a sketch on that, and it just looked like uh, that's going to be the place I'm going to stand and just stare, and jaw's going to hit the floor. It it just looks so elegant. That's the best word that I that I can even think of. Elegance, lavish, beautiful, wow. And, and I'm happy that they're bringing that into the dining experience mm-hmm. because, again, people think, well, Disney Cruise, it's nothing but kids and hamburgers and, and chicken nuggets, and it's not at all. And to bring that restaurant in where the whole family can dine, because we'll talk about some things that adults can do on their own, I think is wonderful. They have that sort of upscale dining for the entire family, because there is something about getting dressed up on formal night and going. And when you walk into this royal palace that's inspired by these films, I think both adults and kids are really going to enjoy it. I totally agree. I think that this is going to just be one of those wow moments when you walk in and, and just see the whole, the regal tones of the whole room coming through. I think it's just going to be fabulous. And the other restaurant that really was very, very unexpected as to where they went with it, but just looks fantastic is called the enchanted garden and it's inspired by the real gardens from the city of versailles and you look Mm -hmm. like you are in a conservatory an inside conservatory that's so bright and so light and airy and there's trellises and these flowery fixtures and fountains i mean just amazing and again they bring in a level of technology here similar to what we had with the animator's palette as far as the dining experience transforming from day to night during the meal. Yeah, uh, but the thing that's going to happen, they did a really cool presentation on what this is going to look like, and I'm not sure if that came came through on the webcast or not, but they, they showed what the rendition is going to be from this daytime, beautiful garden setting um, with this just gorgeous... Um, uh, motif about it in the in the fountain in the focal point of the room, and as it turned to night, the the flower light fixtures kind of come to life, and the sky above you just becomes this beautiful starry night, and it, it looks just like you're just looking out in the middle of, um, uh, you know, through the ceiling into the actual sky. It it was just it was amazing. It was amazing. I, again, you know, the thing that I found 
the first time and even the second and third time I went on a Disney cruise was that I wanted to spend so much time exploring. And I think they are really bringing that to a whole new level with the Disney because even the restaurants, you're going to want to take the time and explore. And I mean, there's so much that we haven't even talked about. about I mean, mm-hmm. both dining and staterooms and things for kids. And I want to talk a little bit about things for adults. And of course, there's obviously the casual dining as well. Um, up on Deck 11, they've themed <laughs> things like Flo's Cafe and Luigi's Pizza, Doc's Grill, and Fillmore's Favorites, obviously, to Cars. Um, there's a Who's It's and What's It's. I mean, there's lots of different things all around the ship. Uh, I, I cannot wait to get on board and start exploring. Oh, right. And the one thing you did uh, kind of gloss over, too, is the change that they're doing in the casual dining for Cabana's. Which is that new? It's a it's a concept in in more of a casual dining in a food court type scenario, but it's it's a free flow restaurant um, with beverage stations that has that whole beach type theming to it with surfboards and umbrellas and kites, and it's going to have I think a, around sixteen or more specialized food stations, each looking like a beach cabana with the awnings and there'll be different offerings there as well. So I think that that's going to be very, um, very fun to explore that location. You know what's really funny? As you're talking about it, I'm literally sitting here smiling, thinking about the different <laughs> food on the Disney Dream. Like, yeah, okay, it's going to go to Nassau, whatever. But think about the, the, the places we get to eat on board yeah, ship. I, and we didn't even touch on Paulo because that's going to be back. And it's actually going to be, um, from what I understand, a much larger version of Paulo that we know and love from the uh, from the original ships. And wow, you know, just another beautiful room that, that's going to be a, a great dining experience for adults. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to talk about sort of separate from everything else was, there. you know, we talk about the Disney Cruise Line being for families and for kids, and there's so much for kids of any age to do. But I said at the outset that people go solo, and they go as couples, and many, many people go for their honeymoon or for their anniversary or for whatever. And there is a lot to do for adults. And I have this conversation with people all the time saying, well, we're thinking about going on a cruise, but we can't go on the Disney Cruise Line because it's just for kids, right? And it's just the opposite. There is... And even more so here, there is an entire nighttime district and dining and spas and pools specifically for adults on the Disney Dream. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So much so that I haven't had a chance to even really get up to date on everything that's available from from the district which of course is the the nighttime entertainment area that we're you know used to on the other ships but this of course is plucked up where we had talked about before with um a bunch of the lounges uh, one that was skyline that i was talking about with the city skylines are going to be reflected um in the in the room um it's like a metropolitan sky bar meets uh, luxury high-rise penthouse is how they had explained it and it has um, a digital fireplace and a 65 inch LCD screens that will depict these different locations whatever location they're going to reflect on the walls I, I think that that just has that wonderful um, uh, technology piece that, that matches the elegance and that's just awesome and of course signature cocktail so you know that's speaking my language <laughs> um, they also have that a neat little area which I can't wait to see called Pink, which is the more intimate cocktail bar, which will have the wines and the cores as well as, of course, my favorite, Champagne. Love Champagne. Um, 
that's just going to be a neat little place with backlit insert glass having bubbles you know covering the walls kind of having that whole um uh the pink elephants from fantasia will also make some appearances in the bubbles so i mean another again piece of technology that's going to uh, to plus up the location and again i love the fact that there's so much it seems that on this ship is tying back to classic animation and classic films mm-hmm. and even modern touches with with Pixar throughout both the kids and the adults area. You touched on Palo, and if you've never been on a, on a Disney cruise, you've never eaten at Palo, you have not lived yet, because I heard about it and I said, oh, yeah, okay, great, there's an adults-only restaurant, but Palo is not just a great restaurant on board ship, it's a great restaurant, period, serving yeah. more than Italian cuisine and an incredible wine list. Exceptional, exceptional service. Um, a real hallmark of Palo. And like you said, it's been redesigned and it's expanded. And, and it's really, it goes quickly. Reservations go quickly. It is a, it's, it's a, for a slight premium to eat there, but very, very much worth it. And if you are going as a couple or you're celebrating something, you must, must, must do Palo. Uh, oh, that's, yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, um, and I tell my wife it does not exist. But the spas and salons and things like that are not <sighs> just this, you know, single barber's chair tucked away in a corner somewhere. It's a two-deck, 16,000-square-foot <laughs> spa with treatment rooms, a rainforest, oh, no, 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 spa no. villas. <laughs> Forget about the gym. 17 <laughs> private treatment rooms. I mean, they have definitely expanded the whole spa and salon uh, on board the ship. It And, of course, bringing back the rainforest room, which, believe me, many of us are very addicted to. So I, I guess I'll have to introduce your wife to the spa, sounds like. And that, that, uh, that assumes that she's coming <laughs> on one of these research trips. Uh, okay. Let's see how much trouble I can get you into. Okay, yeah, moving on. Pretty, pretty, okay, so moving on. So we, listen, and we're just... You know, we're, we're so far in, but we've really only touched on some of the details, again, because there's so much more and because Disney has not released it all yet. And I, and I kind of like the fact, look, we have a long time before she begins to start setting sail in 2011, and I think we'll see a lot more. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about when she's going to set sail, where she's obviously setting sail from, and the destinations and then the itineraries. Absolutely. Jeez, where do you want to start, Lou? All right. So <laughs> January 26th is when she makes her maiden voyage, which, important to note, is a four-night maiden voyage. So let's talk a little bit about the lengths because that was something that people were speculating on for a long time. Would it be right. a three, four, seven, five-night cruise? You can take your pick from, from those. Yeah, absolutely. What well, it looks like what they've decided to do is is go ahead and move forward with a three, four, and five night itinerary for the ship through 2011. So the first few voyages, uh, January 26th being the maiden, and then they have um, another one marked as inaugural sailings beyond that, are four night sailings. And the four night sailings are going to go from January 26th through December on select dates. She's also going to do three night sailings beginning in February, I think February 3rd is the first one, through May. And then it's going to stop um, the three nights, pick back up in August, late August, I think it's the 25th, um, through the end of the year. 
the five night sailings are going to pick up May to August. So they're going to do five night with a couple of stops in Castaway Key again. And of course, the four night and three night sailings are going to do the Castaway Key and Nassau stops. Um, the four night adds the day at sea. So it's, it's the same itinerary, but again, with this new ship and only having three or four nights to explore all the new things that are on board, I, for me, it's looking like it's going to be much more about the ship than it is about the, the destination, for the exception of those stopping at Castaway Key twice, which I think that would be a holy grail sailing. But um, these are going, of course, round trip Port Canaveral. So with the newer ship called the Disney Fantasy coming in 2012, who knows what they're going to do with the itinerary for that. But of course, staring at 2011, we have our choice of three, four or five night Bahamian sailings. Right, and I read something, too, that there will be special five-night cruises for some of the holidays around Christmas and New Year's as well. Right, right. Yeah, and I agree. And like I said at the outset, I wouldn't care if it just went in circles to the Bermuda Triangle and back because I, I just <laughs> want to spend time on board ship. But the big thing about cruising on the Disney Cruise Line for me, the one port that I do always get out at is at Castaway Key. And in preparation for the arrival of the bigger, badder Disney dream. Castaway Key is also getting some enhancements as well. The, they're expanding the family beach. There's a new water, uh, floating water platform. There's going to be slides, water play areas, private beach cabanas. Now you're talking my language. A lot of other upgrades <laughs> going on there. We can link over again to the Disney Cruise Line website um, to talk about that. So I think a lot of people maybe have been were surprised by the three, four, and five-night but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because that – I hear four-night cruise. I say, well, that's three days in Walt Disney World. <laughs> so I get three days in yeah. Walt Disney World ahead of time, <laughs> have some fun, roam the parks, four days on the cruise just to relax, a little spa, mm-hmm. a little polo, a little beach cabana, and then do it all over again the week after. So, well, um, see, that's, a, that's <laughs> the thought. That, I got to say that's a, what a lot of people are talking about doing after they came out with the three and four is – Maybe just go ahead and do back-to-back, which you can do. You can book a four-night and a three-night. And if you book early enough, you can actually stay in the same cabin. So for those of you who want to stay on and experience seven nights on board the ship, that's an option. And it's not so far-fetched because on the last cruise I went on, we met people at the lounge one night who were talking about mm-hmm. everything that we were going to see over the next couple of days. And we're like, wow, you guys really know your ship. They're like, no, we just did it a couple of days ago. I said, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, yeah, we just decided to stay on board. We're doing back-to-back cruises. So this is the second time I'm wearing my pirate costume. This is the second time where you know, all of our pictures look exactly the same because we have the same outfits on <laughs> for, for two weeks. But, um, but yeah, that's how they had a two-week block of time to spend, and, and they did back-to-back cruises and took their cruises differently. One, the first mm-hmm. cruise was all about getting out and getting to the different ports and going to see as much as possible. And the second one was more about enjoying the ship and relaxing and spending time with their family that way. So absolutely. uh, Before we we move forward, I want to ask you personally, what of all the things we talked about, and there's been a lot, I mean, we've been talking for a a long time about all these exciting things. What do you think, what's the one thing you are most excited about, about the Disney dream? You know, you shouldn't ask me questions like that because I'm going to give you five. You can't. That's a Lou Mangelloism. You're not allowed to do it. It's only reserved for top tens. Oh my God! I, you know what? I, I wow. There's so much though that I'm looking forward to seeing on board the ship. I gotta say, I, I oh, I can't pick one. Um, <laughs> aqueduct, aqueduct, yeah. aqueduct. I think it's probably top of the list. But I'm gonna throw in the electronic art 
uh, the, the Enchanted Art. I'm sorry, I can't wait to see that. Um, the new dining options, obviously, and um, the the porthole in the inside stateroom. Yeah. Imagine that. I can't. I just cannot even put my brain around how simple a concept that is and how popular it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be amazing, and um, and I'm very, very, very much looking forward. The only thing I'm disappointed about is that 2011 seems so far away right now. <laughs> um, but uh, so let's It'll- talk about. The cruise itself and people who who may be thinking about going. And then I want to talk about our cruise, specifically the WDW radio cruise, because we're ready, Becky. We spent a you and I, we've bonded a lot over the last couple days. Late night (laughs) phone calls. (laughs) Um, I think our spouses are starting to get get suspicious why we're talking at at 2 o'clock in the morning. But um, because there's a lot to take in and there's a lot that we had to think about about moving forward. But generally speaking, uh, for people that want to start booking for the Disney Dream, what are they looking at as far as timetables? Right now, if you are a platinum or gold member of the uh, the Castaway Club, meaning that you've sailed five or more times, you can begin booking any of the dates in 2011 for the Disney Dream beginning this Monday, which is um, November 2nd. I can't believe I just said it's November. What the heck? Where did the time <laughs> go? Anyway, platinum and gold members can book starting on um, 11 to November 2nd. Now, a change from when they rolled this little benefit out before, when you might remember when they released Alaska for 2011 and uh, um, on the Disney Wonder, they allowed platinum and gold folks to book up to three cabins under their status. They are not, repeat, not going to allow you to do that with the dream. They're only going to allow platinum and gold members to book one cabin. So per gold or per member. So you aren't going to be able to grab a whole bunch of cabins like you did for Alaska. Um, However, you do get a week heads up. So on the second, you can start booking. On November 9th, the following Monday, if you're a silver member, which means anywhere from one to four sailings, or your first time uh, Disney cruiser, you can start booking your 2011 Disney Dream sailings as of November 9th. All right, Becky, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to test to see how much the NyQuil you've been taking has kicked in. You said (sighs) that initial bookings are limited to one stateroom per gold or platinum member. So if... You are a gold or platinum member, and your wife is a gold or platinum member. Ah. Does that mean that you can book two staterooms? Okay, that's that's a really good question, Lou. And I, I will tell you that the way that I'm reading the, the, the terms and conditions, it sounds like, yes, you could, but that person has to stay in that cabin. However, I, let me caution you and throw all of the, the red flags up that um, a lot of these policies are kind of coming at us fairly quickly and they are subject to change until everything rolls out so while i'm going to say yeah i think if if you and deanna are both platinum members if you booked you in a stateroom and deanna in a stateroom as long as you guys stay booked in those staterooms i think you're okay but don't take that as is total gospel until you know you, you check with disney directly or your vacation planner to make sure that that's the way it's going to roll out Anytime that they do these new policies and these new programs, it, everything is subject to change until it's official and out the door, which is going to be 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Right. And, and what made me think about it was the family of five or the family of six that may want to get one right. of those connecting rooms. 
how can you book it if only one of you is a platinum member? How are you not going to be able to book your kids, all of whom maybe, you know, maybe they haven't been yeah, on a cruise before or you want to have exactly. mom and dad come with you? Exactly. And that would be my argument as well if I when I go back to Disney. But of of course, the way it's reading right now the, on the information that I am have been receiving, again, in quotes, subject to change, terms and conditions, blah, blah, blah. Um, you never know what they might do with that policy. So at this point, it looks that way, but be sure to ask. Sorry, the lawyer in me comes out every so often. He rears his ugly <laughs> head and I'm sorry. And you know what's funny? I, whenever Becky says, that's a really great question, Lou, means you're totally blindsiding me and I want to strangle you for asking <laughs> that question. So. Or, or how about how about I don't have the official information yet, so I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that I'm right. <laughs> and that's the thing, Becky, is that we, we were talking about this offline, is that so much is yet to be determined because right. we're talking about a cruise and when we start talking about our cruise, the cruise details really that have not been released yet. You know, one thing we haven't touched on has been cost is because yeah. we will not know until that very first platinum member gets on the phone with Disney Monday morning and says, I want the category Z or whatever it is, Walt suite on the dream. And that's when they get hit with, okay, these are going to be the, the costs because they're not, you don't even yeah. have access to them yet. No, they haven't officially released even a, a range. There's no price ranges that are available that I've seen specifically for the Dream. So while I have seen some things that are for 2011, that doesn't mean that the rates that I'm seeing aren't for the wonder and the magic. It's, 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 they're just not giving us all the information and they're holding on to it till it's a, a totally official, which is, of course, going to be Monday morning. So it is a little bit flying blind. Um, all we can pretty much do is kind of um, go with what things have been historically. But as we all know, uh, things in the Disney universe change every so once in a while. So it, it could be a big surprise on Monday. <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be even more interesting from your perspective as you start trying to, uh, yeah. to book people on. One thing I want to quickly point out is that some of the um, – the- deposit information is kind of changing depending on the voyage. So, for example, I've heard that on the maiden voyage and possibly some of the voyages after it or possibly some of the holiday sailings, we're not exactly sure, but for definitely sure on the very first sailing, the deposits you put down will be non-refundable and they're not going to allow us to courtesy hold that first day. So make sure that you know the, the terms and conditions of the sailings that you're booking beforehand so that you don't have any money at risk. Yeah, and like I said, specifically for the inaugural cruise, there are some, some pretty hard and fast rules that differ from the other. Like you said, there's a pretty hefty deposit, which is non-refundable, and, and right. it's all going to be done that day. That being said, I still think the inaugural probably gonna be pretty popular that first day i think uh, i think they'll do okay <laughs> I i'm, think I'm thinking to worry they're about. gonna be doing just fine <laughs> from what i understand that inaugural cruise is going to be a 400 hundred dollar per person deposit and you know when you're talking a family of four that's that's you know sixteen hundred dollars it's totally at risk because it's non-refundable so you know think think kind of carefully but like you said i don't think they're gonna have a problem filling that ship i don't either i don't either um but uh the smile is coming on my face once again, <laughs> and not just because I'm thinking about the different places to eat, like Palo and <laughs> the Enchanted Garden and the Royal Palace, but because I want to talk about, about, finally, the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream. 
that you and I have been talking about for a long, long time. We announced yeah. a couple of months ago, and finally, we have that sailing date. We have some details, and after some um, some very long conversations over the next few days, we are ready to announce the date which we have chosen. Um, really, <laughs> think, and, and I and I want to preface this by saying um, we looked at the inaugural very, very carefully and very long and very hard over and over and over again. We kept on coming back to it and tried to weigh all the pros and cons towards being on the inaugural. Obviously, there's only one. There's only one opportunity to be on the inaugural cruise. However, um, that $400 deposit, the limiting the one booking of the stateroom, the non-refundable deposit, um, the fact that it it's probably going to book up very, very fast, and it's going to be hard to get venues for some of the things that we want to do. It's so important for us to have as many people on that cruise, on this cruise as possible, and I'm just afraid that if we tried to, to quickly get into the inaugural, that that would not happen, that we would not be able yeah, to make I that agree. happen for a variety of reasons. Uh, and there's plenty more as well. I mean, it's close to marathon weekend. I know a lot of people go to the marathon and we just don't want to see people get shut out because it is going to book up fast because we don't know what the cost may be. We're not going to know until we call on Monday and then maybe scrambling and it's going to be tough. And for that, and for all those reasons, we opted not to go with the inaugural cruise for the WW radio cruise. And I hope everybody understands why we decided to do it. However, that being said, serious parts over smile comes back to lose face <laughs> we did look at a number of dates and a number of times of year that we wanted to do it we also looked at your feedback that you gave us on facebook in the forums many of you emailed me directly you came up to me during events like d23 and the meets of the month and you've come up to becky and and talked about so we, we kind of weighed all those things um everything from the timing, to the holidays, to the cost, to the distance and time from now to, to the sailing dates, um, to try and come up with something that was going to appeal to as many people as possible. And Becky, this is where, no matter what we say, there's going to be some people who are like, oh, I can't go on that because I'm, yeah. something is going on and I can't do it. Um, and that's the, that's the thing we struggle with whenever we do these kind of events. Yeah. <laughs> so that it being really said, is hard. it is. Yeah, it, it really, really is hard because we, we want more than anything to have as many listeners as possible be able to go with us. So, yeah, it has been a struggle trying to find the right marriage of the date and being some of the first people on board the ship and the price, which we don't even know yet. So let's go with it and see what we get. Yeah, we um, again, we. we threw out a number of things and tried to weigh all the pros and cons and I had spreadsheets and, and abacus and all kinds of things going on over here <laughs> trying to figure out what it is, trying to, to really strike the best balance and there was something very appealing too about wanting to get on the ship early um, you know, because fall 2011 is two years away and there's, that's a long <laughs> time and a lot can happen and, and by gum we need to get on this this bad boy so for that reason, and for so many others, the date 
And I put an asterisk here, by the way, because I'm going to qualify say, where's this. Where's the drums? Right. Where's the drum roll? Where's the drum It's going to be February 27th, 2011. Yay! Thank you. I was hoping you'd get up and cheer. Right. For, <laughs> four nights sailing. Four nights. It's going to be a four night sailing that leaves on a Sunday, February 27th, 2011. Um, again, it's. Um, I think it's a great time of year to go. We're going to miss a lot of the major holidays and spring breaks and miss, again, Becca, we talked about sort of the, the historical trends on pricing. You know, we were saying that the pricing may go up a little bit later on once you start getting closer to summer and some of the spring breaks. This might be a sweet spot as far as pricing is concerned and timing is concerned. Our ability to get and do some of the things that we want to do that we always like to try and do to plus these kind of events up. Absolutely. And like you said, we're, we're really hoping that this is that sweet spot because it's, it's after the February holidays. It's before, well before you get into the, uh, into the spring breaks and into Easter and so forth. So historically, this is a really good time. Hopefully it comes through the, the good old revenue management has been good to us. So we'll find out Monday. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. And listen, you know, if you're looking to get that perfect gift in 2011 for your sweetheart for Valentine's Day, you give her the little card with a couple of cruise tickets in it. Two weeks later, you're on board sailing on the brand new Disney Dream and eating at the Enchanted Garden with all of us. So, um, And that's the thing. We wanted to get as many people on the cruise as possible because I think we, we would just have such, such a good time. So let's talk, Becky, about the logistics um, of what people need to do if they are interested in getting on board and being part of the group. Well, we have several ways that we can go about booking this. As of the moment that people are hearing this, um, there will be a link to a PDF file, hopefully on uh, on somewhere on wdwradio.com, right? Tell yes. me yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there are, are several ways that you can, can book this. Um, obviously, if you are platinum or gold, you will want to do this as quickly as possible so that you can take advantage of that benefit of booking early and getting the best shot at the, uh, at the best rate and best locations. Um, the PDF file will contain a, a form, which is the fastest of the three ways to book with us. If you fill out the form, basically we're asking you to provide the guest information, which is the full legal name as it appears on your passport, your birth date, if you're a U.S. citizen, your street address and so forth. We also need to have your castaway club status and your castaway club number because when we're booking you um, in that window before it's open to the general public, they require us to have the number from you. We're also asking you for your stateroom preference. If you um, have an exact category that you'd like to book, uh, you can write that in. Plus, if there's a specific stateroom that you'd like to shoot for, you can put that in as well. Or if you prefer to go a little bit more general, you can tell us inside Ocean View Balcony or Suite. And if a midship cabin is not available, do you prefer after or forward locations? Um, and then, of course, this form also requires credit card information because if you fill that out, and send it to us, we will um, acknowledge that we have received your facts when we do uh, within, um, hopefully same day, but I'm going to give you a, a within 24 hours or one business day to let you know that we have it in hand and we're going to book as soon as your uh, booking window opens. And if you've included credit card information, we will go ahead and place the deposit 
for the um, the stateroom that you have requested, and then we'll be back in touch with you uh, within one business day to let you know that yes, your your cabin has been booked. You can also just go to our website at mousefantravel.com. On the front page, there will be a um, a link for the Lose Cruise or the WDW Radio Cruise. You called it that. It's not the Lose I Cruise. I can help it. It's, it sounds so cute. It's like, you know, Blues Clues, Blues Cruise. It's just cute. So anyway, you can link to that and request a quote. If you're not ready to uh, to place a deposit, you can request a quote and we'll ha- be happy to get that for you as well. You can also contact us via phone, but I will be honest that um, Monday the 2nd and Monday the 9th when these windows do open up, um, doing the quote requests or doing the form faxed in are going to be much faster because those of you who have booked these cruises before know that Disney Cruise Line can get a little backed up and we've been known to be on hold for four hours um, holding to book cruises so we appreciate your patience if you do uh, um, elect to call us We do have a service that will take a message. That message will be passed on to the first available planner, but it may take a little while to get back to you, especially on those two Mondays, which are the busiest days. So again, we really appreciate your patience for that. We also have um, an email address, which is dream at mei-travel.com that you can send in questions or you can uh, send in this form if you prefer to scan and email the form back to us. Now, one thing that we will tell you is that if you do plan to put on a deposit, the date of February 27th is a fully refundable date. So if you just want to book it, but you're not quite sure, it's fully refundable. You can cancel. There are no agency fees. You'll get your your, um, deposit back as long as you do it. You cancel or move the date before final payment. After final payment, of course, Disney's um, policies apply there. But rest assured, your credit card will be charged. I think it's $200 per guest, unless they change it on us, but that's what I've seen so far. And it'll be billed by Disney Cruise Line on your credit card. So your money is safe, your money is protected, and it is fully refundable if you decide that you need to cancel before final payment or you want to move the date. Okay, now comes all the asterisks. uh, Here we go. After the announcement. Well, I I want to try and... (laughs) Answer some questions that people might have, allay some of their fears, and and let a couple things out there. Because I think what's going to happen, Becky, is not everybody's going to listen to this show before 9 a.m. Monday morning. And they'll say, oh, it's November 2nd and I didn't get in. Remember, that that November 2nd date is only for the platinum and gold members that want to try and get on. And even if you don't get in on Monday, that's okay. Don't worry. If you hear this on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday... You still have time to get your form in, although I do recommend trying to get it in before that Monday this way. It's it's at Mouse Fan Travel. They've got it. It's in their queue, and they can start booking you as quickly as possible to get on um, on board. Now, if for some reason you don't hear the show and you're a Platinum member and you just go out and you want to book it and just get on there November 2nd at 9 a.m., you're on there. If you make the reservation yourself, Becky, correct me, if they make the reservation themselves, they can still get in on the group. They can have that reservation transferred over. Correct. As long as they've booked direct with Disney Cruise Line and it's been paid in cash, they can um, notify us, let us know their booking number, and just let us know that you want to be transferred to our 
uh, to the WDW radio group. We will then take that information and have Disney Cruise Line transfer your booking under our control. And then we'll just roll you into our group so that you're included in all the all the fun and uh, exclusive activities that are going to be, be available to the people who are booked with us. And, of course, our group dining and so forth. All the, all the things, the extra magic that I'm not about to give away yet. Right. <laughs> but that certainly is an option for them. Yeah, we have plenty of time to start trickling out, like, much like Disney. We're going to be like Disney and trickle out information, <laughs> because if you think this is just going to be uh, you know, us getting together on the cruise, I promise you there will be many, many more surprises to come between now and maybe even after you get on board on February 27th, 2011. Um, oh, yeah. What else? Uh, if you did fill out one of these little handy-dandy postcards at one of the events or a meet of the month or whatever it is, and you gave it to me, please note that does not constitute you filling out one of those forms, does not guarantee that anything sort will be held for you. We will contact you or also make sure you stay, uh, take a look at the Facebook event page and the forums page and the page on WDWRadio.com to make sure you fill out the cruise form and send it over to Mouse Fan Travel. Uh, these were just sort of gauging interest. This is what we were using to try and figure out when we should try and get on the cruise and find out who might be interested. Um, chances are, if we have your postcard, we will try and shoot you out an email as soon as possible. But again, please don't hesitate to contact Mouse Fan Travel directly um, as far as making your reservations. Now, an asterisk upon the asterisk, we've got the <laughs> emergency plan. And the emergency plan is this. Uh, going into this, we don't know what the rates are going to be. We've, we've based our decision partially on historical data as to how the different rates are throughout the year and what February, at the end of February, might bring as far as rates and how they might compare with the higher rates that start in, in May and whatnot. That being said, Disney on Monday morning, November 2nd, will release the rates and it may come as a big sticker shock to us. If we feel and if we see that in everybody's best interest, those prices are too high or something crazy and unexpected comes out, we may try and look at another date that may be more palatable for everybody. And if that happens, we will, of course, let you know right away. Uh, we're not expecting that, but I want to throw it out there, letting you know that we are going to keep a very, very close eye. Uh, our Monday right. morning is pretty much our Monday day and night, really, is uh, is pretty much <laughs> laid out for us at this point. Pretty much. I, I also want to mention, too, that um, if you're not a Gold or Platinum member, if you're a Silver or your first-time Disney cruiser, don't hesitate to fill out this form or put in a quote request now. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's before the ninth, even though that your booking window doesn't open before the ninth, we will then at least put your form or get your information in queue so that we're ready when it does open up. So don't hold on to it. Don't think that you can't send this information to us beforehand. It's just that we can only actually book and confirm platinum and gold members that week of the second. But um, we're going to book these on a first come first serve basis. So. Uh, please, if you're interested and you want to do it, get it to us as soon as possible. That'll that'll really help our process come the 9th, which is going to be our busiest day. Right. And what I was going to say is that if you are considering coming on the cruise, you're not sure, you say, well, 2011, it's so far away. I'm not really sure. But you think that you want to join us for what I promise you is going to be a memorable, exciting, fun time with, with like-minded Disney fans. I would definitely recommend 
that you put in your form, you deposit yourself on the ship. Because remember, it is fully refundable. And I do think I'm a betting man and I'm going to bet that these cruises, especially early on, will sell out. So if you are interested... And if you got burned and didn't get into the Adventures Club, trust me, <laughs> you want to try and get your yeah, form yes. in early. You, this way you're in, but you have a way out. And Becky, until what point are they able to get that refundable deposit back? All the way up until final payment, which at this point may be due around 120 days beforehand. I have not seen that policy yet to see when that final payment is going to be due, but it'll be you know, up into the end of 2010 before right. it's it's going to be due. I do want to also throw out the, the, another asterisk upon an asterisk upon an asterisk. For those of you who um, are, un- unlike me, are able to grab one of those suites or you want to, to sail in one of the suites, um, there are special deposit requirements and some penalties for suite deposits. So uh, please make sure that if you're going to uh, try to book for one of those stateroom categories that the deposit refundable deposit might be a little bit different. Yeah, and that that actually goes to, to another reason why you're better off booking directly through you. You can address all those questions. You can give those people the answers to things that they may not even realize. So going through Mouse Fan Travel to to be part of the group is definitely the the best probably way to go. Um, and obviously their agents are, will, will answer any questions that you have, especially after 9 a.m. on November 2nd when they're all yeah. a little bit more informed about exactly what's going on. Absolutely. And, and once again, I, I cannot stress this enough. Um, believe me, once we get your facts, once we get the information, we will acknowledge that we've received it again within one business day, um, hopefully beforehand, but I just want the cushion just in case. But please, please, please know that um, those Mondays are going to be extremely busy. So we we really appreciate your patience for us to get back to you, to let you know that something's been booked or to get back to you with more questions if we have it. Um, those two Mondays are going to be very, very, very busy. So thank you in advance for your patience. Yeah, and I'm going to obviously put a link to the PDF right on the homepage of WDWRadio.com. I'm actually going to try and set up WDWRadioCruise.com, which will get you right to that PDF page on on the website. Again, you can also come there from the Facebook event page, from the forums as well. A couple of things that I want to just mention, uh, because the cruise does leave on a Sunday, some of you may be thinking about coming in a little bit early. We are going to look at some point after Monday, November 2nd and November 9th, we're going to look into possibly doing some pre-cruise events in Walt Disney World. Um, So if you want to get in a little early, maybe we'll have a get together there. Just kind of planting that seed in your mind now, we'll we'll obviously address that as we get a little bit closer. Uh, But if you want to have a little combined land-sea vacation it might be a great way to do it. And uh, I think we have all of... Do we cover all of our asterisks? I, well, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that there are more. There always are. Some more situations come popping up. But that's the wonderful thing about booking with us or working with us is that if things change, if um, new, you know, by chance, any new offer comes out, any new information comes out, we will be communicating it with the uh, with the clientele. So... Um, we're going to kind of be on the four on the on the front lines of this, and uh, hopefully pull together any um, any new information. So I'm sure that there's going to be more. <laughs> yeah, and, and we're obviously going to talk more about the 
you know, our crews specifically as we start getting closer and start getting more details. But if you are considering going on a Disney cruise and, and specifically going on the Disney Dream, the only thing better than cruising is cruising with friends. And you will be among friends and we are going to have a great group of wonderful people. Mouse fan travel, you guys always plus these kind of events up. I think back to Adventures Club and so much more. We are going to have a great time. We're already working and thinking about some special surprises to, again, plus up what is going to be an amazing, amazing experience on this incredible new ship. Um, again, super excited, despite how late we're actually recording this, literally in the wee hours of the night to try and get this information out to you as fast as possible. Uh, again, you can for more information... Come to WDWRadio.com. You can also go to MouseFanTravel.com. Whatever way gets you there, easiest. Um, and if you have any questions, you can let us know. But, um, Becky, I- I'm so, so excited. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting for this announcement for so long. And now that it's here, and now that we've got details coming out, and again, pictures and videos are going to be right over at WDWRadio.com. Uh, just so excited about cruising on the dream. Oh, my gosh. Between going to the event of which shall not not be named, but I'll probably mention it by See, like 20 going, more times. you went times there again. We were, we were ending on a high <laughs> note, and you went back to the event. Seeing what is in store for us, seeing all the neat, wonderful, magical treasures that are going to be surrounding us. I am so excited for 2011. Uh, I'm. This is just going to be incredible. So I, I hope we see a lot of listeners um, book this on board with us because we're just going to have... Quite the magical time. Two words. Aqua Aqua duck. duck. (laughs) (laughs) Virtual porthole. Mickey Uh, pool. uh, Oceaneer club. I got a million of them. Walt Disney theater. No, that's actually three words. Chocolate souffle. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Yeah. So much good stuff. So, so much good stuff. And yeah, again, this discussion can't do it justice. Definitely go by check out some of the pictures because if this didn't get you excited those definitely will Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel thank you so much for yeah taking one for the team and going to the event and not inviting me but more importantly scrambling uh, (laughs) to get all this together so we can get people you know booked as quickly as possible and I look very much forward to the next year or so of planning what's going to be a very very memorable cruise I think oh so excited thank you for having me back on the show i really appreciate it and i'm really looking forward to seeing what we can pull together it's this is going to be phenomenal i'm i'm as excited about this as i was about the adventures club if that tells you anything even more so because there's yeah chocolate here and paulo and <laughs> hey, i wonder if we could i wonder if we could have aqueduct races timing you know i can't wait yeah. oh, i have to get in there's shape no i have a, <laughs> oh, I only have a year to get in shape yikes Lou in a bathing, bathing suit. suit. Scary. Bath- <laughs> Lou on a. Ba- you know what? The slowest time has to sing karaoke. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so in trouble for that one, aren't I? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Becky in a bikini. <laughs> um. No way.
it's time to announce the winner of our last Walt Disney World trivia contest. That was on show 141 two weeks ago. There I asked you five trivia questions about Walt Disney World, asked you to answer them in order, and let me know which of the two prize packages I had up for grabs that you wanted. It could have been either the three audio guides to Walt Disney World, Main Street, Adventureland, and Fantasyland, or one of the very limited edition WDW Radio embroidered baseball hat. And before I announce the winner, let's go over the questions and correct answers. Number one, I asked you, what was the name of the floating dog back in Horizons in Epcot's future world? And that was Napoleon. And I even gave you a hint and said that if you went back and listened to one of the old episodes of the show, you could probably have found the answer there. Number two, I said that Mike Wazowski's nephew can be seen and heard in the Monsters, Inc. laugh lore. What was his name? And Mike's nephew is a smaller orange version of himself, and that is Marty Wazowski. Question three, I said, what character is found on the back of a fast pass? And pretty much all of you got it right that it is Donald Duck. Number four, I said that on the Fantasyland Audio Guide CD, I talked about the little big top in Fantasyland and asked you, what's in that location now? Currently, there sits... Scuttle's Landing, which is a snack shop, sells frozen Coke, awesome cream cheese filled pretzels, might not sound good, trust me, they're excellent and number five, I said that if you stay until the end of some attractions, things like the Haunted Mansion stretching room you're sometimes treated to some extra audio or an extra line here and there, and that holds true for the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management, where I said you hear Iago talking about where he plans to go to take a nap And Iago says at the very end, I'm tired. I think I'll go over to the Hall of Presidents to take a nap. So uh, congratulations to all of you that entered. Most of you had all these right lot of entries in, uh, in in the past two weeks. I took all of the correct answers. I randomly selected one. And this week's winner who selected the WDW Radio embroidered baseball hat is David Racker. So David, congratulations. I'll get that out to you right away. That being said, I still have the three audio guides up for grabs. So you know what? I'm going to select one more winner this week. I'll give that winner the audio guides. And quick, random, opening up the inbox in the contest folder. The winner of the audio guides to Walt Disney World is Glenna Johnson. So Glenna... Congratulations to you. I'll get that prize pack to you uh, out right away. Congratulations again, and thanks to all of you who played. We'll definitely have another trivia contest, or in the where in the world have you heard this contest? A lot of different concepts for future uh, concepts and prizes coming up soon, so definitely stay tuned. Thanks again for playing. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks also to Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel for joining me, helping me cover everything we could about the new Disney Dream ship and helping get us all very excited 
about the upcoming WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream on February 27th, 2011. Remember, you can visit wdwradio.com or go right to wdwradiocruise.com. That will take you right to the information page where you can find out more about the cruise and print out the PDF form, the, the booking reservation form. You can print that out, fax it to Mouse Fan Travel. You can scan it, email it to them, or you can even call them if you have any questions or you want to provide your information over the phone. And speaking of getting together, you don't have to wait until 2011 if you want to just come together and hang out with some other listeners and fans because the next WDW Radio Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World is going to be Saturday, November 14th. We're going to get together at 2 p.m. over at Ariel's Grotto in Fantasyland. We'll meet at the tables under the big top, get together, hang out for a couple of hours. I'll post more information over at the Facebook event page that I'm going to create and over in the WDW Radio forums. You don't have to RSVP, but we'd love to let us know that you're coming. If you can't make it in November, but you are coming down in December, there's two meets that we're having. The first is going to be Friday, December 11th. There, I'm probably going to do something outside the parks for people that don't have passes. I am still working on an exact location, but I promise you it will be early enough in the evening or later enough in the afternoon for anybody that may want to go to Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Still have time to do both. Also, we're having a celebrations meet on Sunday, December 13th. That's going to be over in France. That's at 2 p.m. Again, I'll post these in the forums and event pages on Facebook that I will link to in this week's show notes at WDWRadio.com. Quickly speaking about Facebook, come over, join the fan page, friend me up there as well. You'll find links to all these right on the homepage. And also, come by, follow my updates on Twitter. I am twitter.com slash Lumangelo. Also on the site this week, just uploaded some more new videos. Look for additional videos, including a couple of really fun ones that I'm excited about releasing. This week, you can find them all right on the site and on YouTube. But if you subscribe to this show in iTunes, they'll automatically be downloaded as they are released. Also on the site, don't forget, you can still order signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books, the audio guides to Walt Disney World, and you can also get a link over to celebrationspress.com where you can order back issues or subscribe to Celebrations Magazine. And if you want to contribute... We want the magazine to be interactive, so if you have a story, idea, a letter to the editor, a photo, an article, anything at all, come by, email us over there as well. If you haven't checked it out as yet, be sure you head on over to prettygoodmovieride.com. There, Glenn Whalen has done some amazing things with clips and his own take on the great movie ride. And November, over at WDW Memories, is Disney Memories Month, where they're going to be announcing some giveaways and contests over on their Facebook fan page and the website, so stay tuned. And if you have a favorite Disney memory or a story that you want to share and have a chance to have it published in the upcoming WDW Memories book, they'll be accepting stories through November 30th over on the website, over at mywdwmemories.com. I'll put a link to that over in the show notes as well. Lots of things going on backstage here at WDW Radio that I'll be announcing probably in the next couple of weeks or months. Definitely stay tuned. Remember, you can always go back to the site or iTunes, check out older episodes. They're always available. I think you might find some things if you're a new listener that you're really going to enjoy. Stay tuned for a new WDW Radio Live, probably coming up in the next week or two again. 
best way to find out how to log on, how to be part of the interactive video broadcast and chat. Stay tuned to the forums, Facebook, and Twitter. If you want to be part of the show, you have a question you want answered, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. And you can also call and be on the air anytime at 888-703-2171 with comments, suggestions, reviews, reports, or even just saying hello from the parks. Big thanks, as always, go to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. All-Star Vacation Homes has more than 150 houses and condominiums within five miles of Walt Disney World. You'll find a link to All-Star Vacation Homes right on the homepage. Also, if you're interested in buying or selling DVC through resale, you can head on over and visit dvcbyresale.com. Chantel and her team be happy to answer any questions and help you that there. Don't forget that if you want to talk about the show, the best place is to come by the forums over at wdwradio.com. We have more than 33,000 other family members there. Come by. It's fun. It's free. Very, very welcoming to join. And as always, my friends, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Go review the show on iTunes. Come say hi on Facebook. And again, I want the show to be as interactive as possible. And most of all, I want you guys to have a fantastic week this week. I want you to take that first step towards following your dreams and doing what you love. And always, always keep moving forward. Hope to see you in 2011 on the Disney Dream. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Cindy in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I am a first-time caller. Um, have been on your website today for the first time, and uh, very impressed with all the information. Love it. Um, but you have really inspired me to become um, a runner. I'm not a runner, but you talked about the Everest uh, after-party um, even though maybe next year it won't have the monsoon downpour. But I had no idea there was such a thing. And, hey, I'm into the parties and I'm into the cute little medals that you can get. And, uh, anyway, thanks for all the information. I thought I knew a lot. But uh, you had just really expanded my mind and um, look forward to finding out all kinds of new stuff. Keep up the good work and enjoy your show. Thanks. Hey, Lou, this is Tim Stenzel from Marion, New York again. I was just calling to let you know that uh, the thing I miss the most at Walt Disney World is uh, a name, basically. When my wife and I were married 12 years ago, we went on our honeymoon down to Walt Disney World and spent seven days there. And we stayed at Dixieland, or Dixie Landings is what I believe it was called. And uh, a couple months ago, we came back up here and we went back over to that resort to show our nine-year-old daughter, Hannah, and uh, I've known for quite a while that they did change the name. It's now Port Orleans Riverside. But I, as far as my wife and I are concerned, it'll always be the Dixie Landings. So that's what I really miss the most, that of, if you want to call it an attraction, gone by. So keep up the great work on the uh, podcast. I'll see you later. Hi, Lou. It's uh, Brian from Philadelphia. Um, and... Uh just got back from seeing a uh, presentation by the uh, Jim Henson Legacy uh, Group. Um, it's a traveling production uh, presented by the Smithsonian. Uh, it was moderated by uh, Craig Sherman, uh, who was on your show. Uh, but it also featured uh, Bonnie Erickson, who did a lot of costuming for the Muppets, uh, like Miss Piggy, and uh, Fran Brill, who uh, actually is the voice of uh, Prairie Dawn and some other puppets uh, for Sesame Street. Um, but it was a really cool uh, presentation, uh, a lot of funny film clips from the Muppets, some great stuff from the archives, 
and it's uh, apparently a traveling exhibit. I think they sell four more stops. Uh, I guess uh, you can look up on their website. Uh, but it was a really cool presentation, and uh, highly recommend it to uh, any of the listeners who, who can get a chance to see it. Uh, anyway, keep up the great work on the show, and uh, looking forward to the next one. Bye-bye. Paging Mr. Mongello. I mean, Mr. Tom Morrow. Oh, really, Lou. I really hope that uh, the TTA comes back to the old. I'm listening to the show this week. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, this is Jeremy, by the way, up at Fort Knox. Just wanted to wish you a magical day and uh, hope everything's going well, and hopefully we can keep some of the old with the new. Talk to you soon. Hi, Lou. This is Jim O'Neill, another displaced New Jerseyite. I'm out here in Michigan now for a few years. And uh, one of the attractions that I really miss is Cranium Command, which was in the Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot. And I just thought it was really clever how uh, they showed the different parts of the brain using all the different actors. In fact, I don't know if it came before the attraction or after it, but there was actually a TV show that I really enjoyed that was kind of uh, almost uh, very similar to to the attraction, where uh, it had a guy and he had these people in his head and you saw the people and how they affected what he was doing, and the show was called Herman's Head. I don't know if you ever saw it, but uh, it was actually a show I really enjoyed. It was on for just a few years, I think probably about the uh, maybe early or mid-90s, but uh, Training Command was an attraction I always really enjoyed, and I, I do miss it. So take care, and thanks for all you do, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Alan. Uh, my wife and I, Judy, just got done uh, eating at uh, San Angel Inn in Mexico, uh, based on your review. And we absolutely loved it. I uh, had the tostadas with the crab and the plantains with the sour cream, which I always got to have them with sour cream now. Uh, the poblano rice. We had the chocolate mousse with the berries. I uh, hadn't been there in years and years, but your reviews made it sound so good. We had to go and try, and uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, we love your show, and we love your reviews. All right? See ya. Hey, Lou, it's Alex. I called in earlier this week saying I was planning my trip for today. Happy Halloween, by the way. Um, well, I'm heading home right now. Uh, it was a great day. We went to Hollywood Studios and Magic Kingdom. Uh, we didn't get a chance to go to Mickey's Not So Scary, but oh well. We had fun anyways. Uh, love the show. Talk to you later. Hi, Lou. It's Gary from Columbus. I uh, wanted to talk to you about the uh, segment that you just did on the lost attractions of Disney World. Um, just kind of a side note, one of the memories that I have of being a child was being in the Skyway and actually looking down into the teacups and seeing the people spinning around on those. Now, of course, not only is the Skyway gone, but the teacups have a pavilion over it, so that wouldn't be possible now. But really, I have to agree with you, my top lost attraction is Horizon. Um, that was my favorite attraction in all of Disney World. Uh, and especially in the 80s, but into the 90s as well. Um, and for me, the big moment in that was not the choose-your-own-ending. It was the, the big screen. When you come around the corner and they had the, the gigantic screen right up next to the car, and they showed the space shuttle, they showed the DNA molecule that would spin, and the, they would, the car would tilt when it, when it spun. And the first time I saw that was just amazing. Um, as far as whether it work again today, I, I have to be honest and say that I don't think that it would. Um, for one thing, you know, I'm never going to be a, at Disney World as a teenager again by a long shot. 
and um, I gave it some thought and thought, well, you know, is it a more um, a less optimistic or more cynical age now than it was? And I, I really don't think it is. I just think that our perspective changes as we get older, and we tend to, as adults, through our own eyes, think more of the future or think more of the present and see the future through our kids' eyes. And so, at least in my case, I've regressed a bit and gone to uh, uh, looking at the future through my boys and seeing the, the smaller kid thing. Um, so I'll never have that teenage optimistic perspective again. So from that standpoint, it wouldn't work for me. But the other thing was um, part of the joy or one of the reasons I like to go to Horizons in the 90s was because it it was easy to get on. There was never a line there. And when I was there and when it was operational, which was really every other trip there for a while, um, we could walk right on and I could count on seeing that and kind of reliving what I had experienced earlier. Um, putting it out, putting Horizons out as is right now and hoping for it to succeed would be a lot like um, sending you know, the movie Tron out for general release. You know, it may have worked back in 1982 or 83, but... Um, I think it would be dated now. Um, it had more kind of a museum feel to it in the later years. Um, you know, you can get on YouTube now and see a lot of really neat videos of the World's Fairs from the 60s and even the 1939 World's Fair, and it's neat to see. But to think that an attraction like that could come back now and be as successful is it's probably not realistic. Could they come out and do something like Horizon? taking a look at the future, a similarly optimistic view, I think I think that's a possibility, and that's what we could hope for as fans. But um, that attraction as it was, it was was kind of a snapshot in time, but we certainly have fond memories of it. I'll, I'll always remember that and have those videos to show my boys. So those are my thoughts. Have a good week, Lou. Take care.